Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Today, I want us to continue in our uh, little mini-series that has gotten maxi, entitled Contagious Faith. Contagious Faith. And I want to direct you, first of all, to our two banners here. You know, I, I'm a visual guy, and so I, every time I come here, I'm reminded of who Sozo is and who Sozo wants to be. How many, how many of you, be honest, you, you kind of gaze off at the banners every once in a while, okay? They're there for that reason, because they're to remind us who we are. And so we're, we're to be a family on mission that advances the kingdom, and, and there's a little more to that, the kingdom of heaven to the ends of the earth. You got to hear a little bit about the ends of the earth last week by having Freddie here. Wasn't that great? Just the whole picture of Burundi and the opportunity to partner with what God's doing. And so I wanna ask you a question. What does it look like in 2022 to be a family on mission that advances the kingdom of heaven to the ends of the earth? What does that look like? I think I'll answer my question, and I think it looks like contagious faith. My question to you is, do you have contagious faith? If you don't have contagious faith, I'm gonna unpack some things that might help you understand why you don't have contagious faith. Some things that you get to repent of, okay? How I many you know repentance is a good word, right? It just means we get to rethink things. We get to change the way we think, to align with God's way of thinking. So how many say, I'm willing to repent today? Okay, if you're not willing to repent today, I'm gonna pray the Holy Spirit makes you willing to repent today because it's in his kindness, right? That he draws us in, leads us to change our way of thinking. Now, as we talk a little bit about contagious faith, I wanna talk to you about, I think contagious faith looks like hope. I, th- I think it looks like unconditional love. I, th- I think it looks like grace. I think it looks like peace. I think it looks like the spirit of Jesus living in us and through us. That's what contagious faith looks like. It draws people in. It makes them go, wow, I wanna live that way. But I want us to, to give a little, I want to give a little historical context to our faith, okay? Do you realize that Jesus, God in flesh, came to planet Earth to reveal what God the Father is like, that Jesus was oppressed? He's born into a culture where he's oppressed. He's brown-skinned. He's a... Palestinian Jew from a Middle Eastern country that is oppressed by a European empire centered in Rome. That's a big mouthful. But, but do you realize that? Jesus was, didn't probably look like us. He was dark-skinned. He was oppressed. Do you realize the Bible is... is a minority report. Do you realize that? It's, it's not told from the perspective of empire. 
It's told from the perspective of this poor, oppressed, dark-skinned Palestinian Jew in Israel who's being oppressed by the Roman Empire. Are you with me? Now, I'm gonna kind of set this up with a little bit of thought here. So Jesus comes to town and he immediately begins to challenge things. You got the Roman Empire. And I'm, I, I'm tempted to call it the, the Empire of God, but, but I'm gonna just say the Kingdom of God. Okay? And Jesus... Jesus threatens the Roman Empire in ways you cannot even begin to imagine. So what did the Roman Empire look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. How did, how did they do business? What, what does this empire, I've actually got some notes here, but I don't know what'll happen today. We might use some of them. Um, the Roman Empire was violent you realize Jesus went to a cross. He was pinned on a wooden cross like, like, a, like you would pin a butterfly on a uh, case display. He was on display for the whole world so that Rome could say, our violence wins. But Jesus was nonviolent. He remained nonviolent to the very end. He was all about peace. Glory to God in the highest, the angel said. And on earth, peace to all mankind. Jesus knew his mission. This, the Roman Empire was dominant. What did you say, dominance? They used dominance to oppress and to push down the world. I mean, they, they were basically over most of the then known world. Jesus came for what purpose? For freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What about the Roman Empire? The Roman Empire, they liked money. We learned that, that money's not the root of all evil. It can be used for good, right? You know what Jesus liked? He liked generosity. He said, freely you have received. Freely, yeah. That's a good word for the United States of America, huh? The uh, Roman Empire, they loved power. The kingdom of God is about the power of love. The Roman Empire was built around one man, it was top down. One powerful, violent man, Caesar. Caesar 
is Lord was the mantra of the Roman Empire. Over here, Jesus came to establish an upside down kingdom. What does that mean? Yeah, for, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for all mankind. Jesus was the kind of king who washed people's feet. Jesus was the kind of leader who said, I'm looking for the, the last, the least, and the lost. That's different than I'm looking for those who can make me more powerful. Jesus was a tremendous threat to the Roman government. But can I tell you what? He never backed off of his movement of nonviolence. Now, because the United States of America is an empire, a lot of what I'm gonna be talking about today is not a common or popular thing to talk about. But I think if we wanna be people of the kingdom of God, if we want to learn to be contagious in our faith, if we want to learn how to connect with people, we've got to do it the Jesus way, right? So I'm gonna go back over some of the things that I talked about last week here. On this end of the spectrum, it just happens to be the right side. There, there are two components that make our faith contagious. One is, our faith identity. Do you know what I mean by that? Faith identity would say Jesus is Lord. Can you say Jesus is your Lord? Okay. He's the king of the kingdom. And so a strong faith identity on this side. Okay. The second component that makes us contagious in our, our faith or not contagious in our faith is our disposition toward others. What is your disposition toward people that don't think like you? See, one of the things that, that got Jesus in trouble, and you're gonna see, gets people in trouble with religion is when you ask too many why questions. Any of you ever ask why questions? Am I the only one who asks more why questions than they ought, okay? And so a, a strong faith, but a disposition toward others on this far right side is one of hostility. Basically saying this, I'm right, you're wrong, get over it. Here's what happens Whenever the, the first centuries, we will, I'm gonna have, I'm giving you a lot of history, but you gotta get it to understand why we're at where we're at and, and how we can repent to get where we need to be. Is that okay? Do you realize that some strongholds are deeply, deeply embedded over history, over a long time? What I'm talking about will sound pretty revolutionary because it's so deeply embedded and just received as commonplace in many churches, okay? Particularly in Texas. I was in uh, uh, Serbia and I was nervous. I was with some mafioso type kind of people and I thought, oh man, this is, this is really scary. I was with Tommy Nauman. Tommy looked at me and goes, why are you scared? They're more scared of you because y'all have more guns in Texas than they do. 
This is the Serbian mafia. So, so we might be a little bit tainted in this. Now, last week we looked at Constantine. Somebody say Constantine. Constantine. He was the emperor of Rome during the time when Rome was persecuting the church. I mean, you know that for the first 250 years or whatever, 280 years, the church was persecuted by Rome. It was persecuted by the Jews. It was, it was the nonconformist movement of the day. You understand that? God coming to earth to show a very different way. And so Constantine comes and, and basically his deal was this, on this side right here where we get the hostility was assimilate or eliminate. How many of you know that's, that's a pretty barbaric way to live? But can I suggest to you that we, while we might not be eliminating people, we have a very um, superior stance, disposition toward people that don't think like us. Can I tell you, that's not the Jesus way. That's not the Jesus way. A second thing about this, we talked a little bit about it, is the issue of on this side, the disposition toward others is we have got to convert these heathens, I, I, you can throw that in there if you want to, it's, but we, we got to convert people who are wrong. Our rightness makes us wrong many times. Do you know what I mean? You can be right and dead right. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be right in the wrong spirit. You can be mean-spirited in your rightness and it makes you wrong. You might have the best orthodoxy, that means right beliefs, and have the worst orthopraxy. That's your practices. You're mean. How many of you know if you're mean, it disqualifies whatever you say you believe, okay? And so Jesus came to turn, Dustin said it, he came to turn everything upside down. He came to say the kingdom of God is not about your external stuff, it's about your heart, which will cause you to live differently. You'll know, you'll know people by their fruit, right? Good fruit, the life of Christ flowing out of you, overflowing in us. So there, there's this conversion thing. I, I love this scripture over here in... Um, Matthew 23, 15, this is Jesus, okay? Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Listen to what he says. He says, woe to you, Pharisees, you hypocrites. He's really soft peddling it, isn't he? He said, you travel all over the land and sea to win a single convert. And when you've succeeded, man, they're better off than... than no, he says, and when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Whoa, whoa. But Steve, I thought we were supposed to convert people to Christ. Can I, can I burst some bubbles today? You can't convert anybody. Thank you, Beth. You can't convert anybody. Some of you go, whoa. Your best gospel presentation won't convert and transform anybody's soul. 
There's only one way that conversion happens, that transformation happens. It's not an external twisting of the arm. It comes by revelation. When God reveals himself to us, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. Our hearts are open to repent, change our way of thinking, and to receive his goodness, his grace, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father, right? And so our conversion is not gonna come through our hostility of torture, banishment, um, elimination. That does, that does not work, okay? So Jesus had a very different way, an upside down kingdom. Another thing is, um, I'll just, I'm gonna stop here, I'm getting a lot. This is what I called fundamentalism. Anybody know what fundamentalism is? You know, there's fundamentalism in every group, right? Fundamentalism is basically this, I'm right, you're wrong. You need, you need to get over it. Fund, fundamentalism is mean-spiritedness. You know, there's a lot of people, people who have great doctrine. I mean, they really are strong. Jesus is Lord. They get it right. But the problem is, Jesus said that the way the world will know we're his disciples is how good our theology is. What does he say? It's the way we love each other. It's, it's by our compassion, our kindness, our love, all of those things, right? So on the far, that's one end. On the other end is a weak identity, a, a spiritual identity, and a benign, a benign uh, uh, disposition toward other people. What does that mean? Well, basically, this is a response to this, okay? It's, it's basically saying, I'm gonna be tolerant of anything. There, there really are uh, no absolutes. There's no right or wrong. Everybody just kind of get along, okay? Let's all just love each other. That's not the kind of love Jesus is talking about by the way. This kind of love says, let's tolerate one another because we're not real sure who's right, who's wrong, and, and we, just don't, we just don't wanna seem hostile. There's a problem with this kind of toleration though. It has no power to it. It's weak. It's anemic. It's unattractive to anybody. It's dull, right? It's bland, how many of you like bland food? How many of you like bland people? How many of you would hate being called bland? Okay? Yeah. You know, I just love something. They're so bland. Gosh, what does that mean? They don't have any opinions. They don't have, you know, we just, tol we just tolerate everybody. We're just gonna get along with everybody. See, Jesus, Jesus, we could have a strong faith identity and a strong powerful, we're not giving up anything but a strong witness and testimony and disposition toward other people, okay? So, so tolerate, tolerate. Yeah, I called it last, I think last time I called it fuzzy faith, right? Just kind of fuzzy, right? And I said that essentially, that, that's liberalism, okay? 
Now, I'm not talking about politics, though you might think I am. Kingdom of God is a political deal, isn't it? That's kind of what got Jesus in trouble. Can I tell you what? There's times when it's really good to be liberal. Right here, that's a good one. Good one here, liberal, liberal in peace, liberal in love, power love. And liberal to the, in love to those, the least, the lost, and the whatever I said a while ago, the last. All of those things were big for Jesus, right? But, but this, is, this is the situation over here. Now, so what, how do we get to a place of strong faith and benevolent blessing of other people? Well, it's right here. Here's the issue right here. See, everything below this line is called natural. This is how we live most of the time, right? I love what John said this morning. Uh, he, he, he said, you know, um, what did you say, John? It was really good. I, I like this. He, he, said, he said, the problem is, he said, Jesus is the way, but many of us, are hacked off because we think he's standing in our way, right? Can I tell you what? Jesus is Lord. He's the way, he's the truth, he's life, he's hope, he's grace, he's all of those things. But when we're living below in the natural, it doesn't make sense. What, you know what this is called above the natural? Supernatural. You know, 1 Corinthians uh, 2.14 says it this way. He says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know it in his noggin because it's spiritually discerned. We're back to Revelation, aren't we? So Jesus says, I'm gonna show you a new and different way to live. I'm gonna show you a way of strength to be strong in my spirit, to be strong in my name but I'm gonna teach you a way to be benevolent to all people, to be a blesser to all people, okay? Now, let me give you an illustration here. This, this will probably get me in trouble and I'm, that's okay though, because I, I, I think we need to stir some things up today, okay? I'm a kingdom provocateur is what I am, okay? Okay, I wrote this down. How many of you, in the version of the story, now, now let me tell you, there, there are three dominant uh, monotheistic religions, right? We are one of those. You know what? what here's what, God gave you one. Christianity, what are the other two? Islam, Judaism. What do those three world religions have in common? Abraham, that's good. Abraham, what do they have in common with Abraham? He's the father of all those faiths, right? Okay, now it's kind of interesting because Judaism is the mother of Christianity. My goodness, you wanna go back and read some history about hostility and how the early church fathers, you know, Origen, Ambrose, uh, uh, Augustine, uh, all of those guys, Tertullian, all those guys were anti-Semitic. Hello? Did I get your favorite? Luther, anti-Semitic. Chrysostom, 
All of those guys, all those great guys that had wonderful, strong Jesus is Lord faith. Okay. What about Christianity's response to Islam? Well, Steve, that's, that's a wicked outfit there. You know, I, I, we need to repent over how we've treated the Jews. I get that, because that's mothership. We, we love them. But, but I don't know about Islam. All right, going back to Jesus again. How do we apply the way of the kingdom of God in that relationship? Here's what I was taught. That Muhammad, the founder of Islam, was uh, a false prophet who received a demonic vision. Any of y'all get that version? Okay. And that he denied key Christian doctrine, created a counterfeit religion, holds people in darkness, and lead them straight to hell until Christians can come and convert them. Now, there's some truth in all of what I just wrote, read. What's wrong with it? It doesn't feel exactly loving, does it? It's very hostile. His religion spread by the sword, holding people captive through tyranny and terror. Can I tell you what? The same can be said right here. I'm not, you can go back and listen to the story of, of, of uh, Constantine from last week. Constantine had a failed empire. The Roman Empire was falling apart. And he, he said, I need help. And he said, he, he had this vision in the sky. I told you I wasn't gonna go back, but I am. He had a vision in the sky of the cross as an instrument of war. It was inscribed in this vision, the cross was a conquer by this sword. Guess what happened? He, and the voice told him to put a cross on every shield of his men. They went to war victorious. From that time on, the Roman Empire and the church were united. It became the Roman Catholic Church. Catholic just means universal. The Roman Universal Church. And so anybody who was weighing out, joining the church or Christianity had to come through the gate of the Roman Empire. Now, if you've got an empire that's bearing the name of Jesus as Lord, but it's violent, dominating, money-hungry, in love with power, and top-down Caesar's really Lord, you've got a problem. Now, let me tell, can I tell Muhammad's story in a little different context? I'll give you some context. Muhammad had a vision or a series of visions in about 610. That's about 300 years after Constantine and Constantine's work and words have really soaked into the fabric of Christendom, okay? Something interesting, uh, Muhammad is from where? Arabia. Arabia is not part of the Roman Empire. I know the Roman Empire is crumbled by 610, but it's still greatly influenced. Never was. Some other places like Germany and um, Ireland and Asia Minor, not, not part of the Roman Empire. So here's what happens. He has this vision, right? 
And in his vision, these are some parts that kind of are left out of our deal, is he becomes convinced that there are not many gods as his fellow countrymen believe, but that there's only one true and living God. You okay with that so far? He said, he believed that this God was the same God who had been revealed to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. How many of you have been overseas to a predominantly Muslim country? Okay, quite a few hands, look here. What is one of the first things you learn when you go over to be effective in building relationship with these people? You learn the story of the prophets. Why? Because we have common ground with them. Muhammad came through the line of Abraham as well. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Remember the other son, Ishmael, uh, Isaac and, and Ishmael? Guess where Ishmael's group goes? It's, they're the Arabs. Muhammad comes directly from Ishmael. All three come out of um, Abraham. And so he's, he's got this idea. He has no one to teach him more. He's had this vision. Any of you ever had an encounter with God and you said, I'm so grateful that somebody who's a step or five ahead of me helped me out from there because I didn't know where to go. Hey, Muhammad didn't know where to go with this. And here's why he didn't know where to go with this. He had believed that God had spoken to him and he believed in these great men, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus. He believed in all of these and he believed their teachings and examples should be trusted and followed. And he knew that God was calling him to get this revelation to his people in Arabia and throughout the world. So what should he do? Well, he should become a Christian, right? Uh, be careful, what's really going on? Here's what Christianity looks like. It looks like a mixture of the Roman Catholic Empire Church. That's a mess. If he would have joined that deal, I mean, you know, he wasn't a part of the Roman Empire before. Who would, who would he side with when war comes? He couldn't become a Jew because there's all kind of problems we don't have time to talk about between the Jews and the Arabs, correct? Just saying, I'm not, I'm not taking any sides here, but I'm asking some questions that I think we need to consider. Do we have more common ground than we might think with people if we quit trying to convert them and quit trying to eliminate or assimilate them or just have them being fuzzy? And what if, what if we did things the, the Jesus way? Okay, put that scripture up there, the Jesus way. This is in, um, in John, you got it? Am I just not seeing it? There it is, the Jesus way. Let's say this together, can we do that? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
What's he saying? You can have a strong faith in Jesus and be benevolent and be blessing and love people. See, here's the deal that we miss sometimes. Jesus is God. See, there's no other world religion that can make that claim. Jesus is God and he's big enough to cover. He got the whole world. It's, it's simple. It's simple, but we somehow, we get so bound up in our, our, I gotta be strong. If I'm not strong and hold on here and, and assimilate or eliminate, then I'm not really a good Gee, Can I tell you what? Jesus is not owned by Christianity. I got one, yes, that's good. That should be good news because he's big enough for everyone to come to him. You know what? I, 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 when I'm talking to people, I very seldom invite somebody to Sozo. I invite them to Jesus and his kingdom. And you know what their question is? Where do you go to church? Oh, hey, I go to, I go to Sozo. Uh, and then I don't say anything else. And they go, so like, when do y'all meet? Oh, we meet it on Sundays at, at, at 10 o'clock. Where do y'all meet? And I mean, they're asking me the questions. Can I tell you this? Jesus is so winsome and attractive and magnetic that people want to know, how do I, how do I gather with the Jesus people? See, the thing about it is, you can have people that, uh, that are Islamic that meet Jesus. We see it happening all the time. And we don't make a big deal about their background, their culture that they come out of. The big deal is Jesus, right? And the big deal is the Jesus way, the way of love, right? Okay, I'm gonna tell a quick story and we'll, we'll almost be through. Okay, so several years ago, I got invited to, a, um, to go to prison. And uh, so um, I was gonna go on this, this uh, Kairos weekend. And, uh, and so we're doing training before it. And in the training, I remember many, many, many weeks and thinking, golly, this is a whole lot. But I was going to a, a high security prison. They wanted us to be equipped. And I remember these, they had the little, kind of like our banners, they had this little mantra there. It said, listen, listen, love, love. And every, every time we got together, they would talk about listen, listen, love, love. And I group, you know, a bunch of wise guys going, listen, listen, love, love. And I'm thinking, okay, I got it. Listen, listen, love, love. So now I'm in prison, right? I'm gonna be there for four days. I'm meeting around a table with a group of guys. One of the guys in my group is a life, lifer. He's gonna be in there for life. Uh, actually, a couple of those guys. I've got one guy who's an incredible uh, artist, poet guy, and then I've got another guy who's the librarian of the prison, all inmates. By the way, most, in, most creative people in the world are in prison. All of, we had a group of prisoners led us in worship, some of the best worship I've ever been a part of. Just awesome. And so we're there and... Uh, and our table and all that. And so the, the one guy, the, the creative guy, after every talk or whatever, he's writing a poem to me and for our group. And we're discussing, he's going for it. The guy who's librarian, we later found out that he, he had come in, to, he infiltrated the group. He wasn't interested at all. Um, he actually was wanting to curse the, curse the group and all this stuff. Um, he ends up 
coming to Christ, and now he dispenses uh, C.S. Lewis, all these Christian books. He, he is the number one discipler in the whole outfit now. But this one guy, real stoic guy, he's gonna be in there for life. And on one account, I mean, he hardly said anything. But we had a, a particular day where we were gonna celebrate the birthdays of some of the prisoners. And so it happened that it was his birthday. He's mid-50s. Never said a word. And I'm sitting by him. He looks at me, man. A tear's running down his eye. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, what is, you know, what's going to happen? You know, and he says, he said, you know, I have never, ever had a birthday party. Never, ever had my birthday celebrated in my whole life. He said, I just can't believe it. I mean, they had, we had, had an outside team and made them steaks and baked potatoes and, you know, it was just a big deal. And he looked at me and he says, man, this is just not fair. I said, what do you mean? He goes, man, we come in here and you guys give us cookies, you love on us, you listen to us, you pray for us, you teach us, you care about us. How could anyone resist that kind of love? I'll never forget that as long as I live. All of a sudden, listen, listen, love, love made sense to me. I had nothing in common with any of these guys. Do you know that helplessness of being with people that are totally different than you? But by the end of those four days, I love those guys. I knew their stories. They knew there was a reason why they had come the, what they had come out of and where they were at. Can I tell you, every one of us has a story. Every person we meet has a story. And part, and part of the issue is the Jesus way is listening to people's stories and falling in love with them so that we, they'll know that we're his disciples by the way we love. Last story. And this is gonna illustrate the second thing about this. Go and give me that scripture there. This is the Abraham way. This is in Genesis. We looked at this last week. We'll just hit it quickly. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. You know what great nation looks like? Right here. You know what it doesn't look like? Right here. I'm gonna make you a great nation. And here's how. I'm gonna bless you and I will make your name great, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse, and all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, Abram. Here's how we become above the natural, the supernatural, strong, benevolent, blessing people. In, um, there's a little town in Wales called Faldy Brennan. You ever heard of Faldy Brennan? It's, there's, a, there's a retreat center in Faldy Brennan. And they, those guys are seeing incredible things happen in that retreat center. It, it, it probably doesn't look much like this. We think we're seeing some stuff, but I mean, people come on the ground and boom, God meets them. Healings, eyes open, blind, blind people seeing, lame healed. I mean, you name it, it's happening. But one of the things that they have learned 
at Faldy Brennan is the way of the blessing, the power of blessing. Have you ever received a blessing before? Have you ever blessed anybody before? Well, good news, you're gonna get, you're gonna get an opportunity for both of them here. I want you to put that blessing on the overhead here as we close here. This is a very simple blessing. See, it, it really is. Some, some of our um, uh, SSI students went out this, this summer and they would just started blessing people. And they came back and given reports of what that was like. And this is just a simple blessing. I bless you in the name of Jesus. How many of you can say that? Just walk up to somebody, I bless you in the name of Jesus that God may reveal everything you need to know to be fully alive. Isn't that a good blessing to give somebody? And, and what if you say, and I bless you to receive his life and to release that life to everyone you encounter. That's a simple, I just went through giving somebody a blessing of basically how to meet Jesus. Didn't say Jesus one time, but I'm saying we're, we're praying a blessing in the name of Jesus that God would reveal revelation, unveil everything they need to know to be fully alive. We know you can't be fully alive unless you know Jesus and the, have a strength in your faith and you have a disposition of love toward other people. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pair up with one person right now. And they, they might be somebody you came with. It might be, don't, don't wander all around. I know how we are. We're like a bunch of cats. You'll never get us herded back in. Just get with somebody, take 10 seconds. Don't do that one. That one's a good one. Take a picture of it. You can use it just on the street. But I want you to ask prophetically for the person with you. Just ask the Lord, how should I bless this person next to me? And just take a moment and bless one another. Ready, set, go. Go. 